0: She's weird and wonderful Oh Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on too You know i never seen a better stew Oh B-b-b-b-b- Betty and the Jets. Hello and welcome Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode we have stories about bras in strange places, things in the toilet that don't belong in the toilet, famous flight attendants, a baby tree, bad taxi drivers, and an albino. Let's get on with the show. So in the last episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase, I told you some stories from my November big trip to Sulawesi, Indonesia. And I had so many stories from that trip that I didn't pack them all into the last episode, thought I'd stretch them out a little bit. And so... When I was traveling, I saw some things in Sulawesi that I haven't seen anywhere else in the world. And I've been a bunch of places. I was staying in Taraja, and I was staying at the Heritage Hotel, which is one of the nicest hotels in that area. It's one of the treats of uh, traveling to a developing country, uh, you know, a poor country, uh, where the prices are much lower than other places. So where I would normally stay in a cheap hotel, in a nice place, I can stay I can treat myself and stay at a nice hotel (laughs) in this place, which has cost less than a cheap hotel somewhere else. Anyway, I've splurged a bit and stayed at this fancy hotel. And the first night I had showed up there, I didn't have a reservation. So I'm assuming they might have done this the first night if they knew I was coming. But now I've been there one day and it's the second day. So now they've cleaned my room. Uh, But I've already been in the room, and I'm in the bathroom, and out of the corner of my eye, I see something bright red in the toilet bowl. In the toilet bowl, which scares me because most bright red things in a toilet bowl are uh, not good. (laughs) Not something you want to see, especially if it's somebody else's. Anyway, I, 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 I was just shocked, and then I realized it was fresh flowers. They put fresh flowers in the toilet bowl, you know where you go. <laughs> I've never seen that anywhere else. It was kind of a shocker. Obviously, once I realized what it was, then it's a it's a pleasant shocker. But at first, not so much.
1: On an all-night flight to the west coast on a 767, after we first got them, and um, we were all. Um, kind of shocked about the strength, the force of the flushing of the toilet. Yes, yes, yes. Well, on this particular night flight, this uh, lady kept coming back to the jump seat and telling these flight attendants that there was a couple having very inappropriate uh, relations in a, in a seat. So the flight attendant went and uh, tried to talk to them, but by this time it was already too late. They were uh, in uh, flagrante soil. Anyway, in flagrante, and uh, <laughs> so she uh, threw a blanket on him and just went back to the jump seat. And uh, another passenger came up shortly after that, complaining about about the noise and the, all this. So, the flight attendant went up there and tried to talk to him again, and uh, they just uh, never broke, never broke stride, never, you know, never paused. Anyway, so. Um, the flight attendant was getting pretty exasperated and uh, another flight attendant came up and said somebody else had complained. So anyway, this one particular flight attendant decided to um, what she did was she remove... It. She, she couldn't stop it, but she, it, she, it would be payback. Okay. So she pulled the wallet out of the pants that were laying on the floor oh. by the shoes. So she put the wallet in the shoes, took the pants, and flushed them down the <laughs> 767. So, when they landed in Atlanta, when they landed in Atlanta, ding, 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 the call button was, you know, being, you know, blasted. So, anyway, she went up there and, yes, sir, could I help you? He said, I can't find my pants. I can't find my pants. And she said, do you mean to tell me on uh, public transportation you removed your trousers? You took off your pants for some reason? And uh, he stammered around and... um, said well I've got to do something I can't walk off I'm I'm meeting my wife I can't do it. meeting his wife and the wife was not the one that was seated with him so anyway so the flight attendant said well I guess you'll have to wear a blanket like they do in Polynesia you know so she gave him a blanket and he wrapped it sarong style around him and they walked kind of behind him the flight attendants because they were so curious he was the last passenger all she's astounded uh, he's, he's got a, a he's got a coat, an Oxford shirt, a tie, and a sarong. It says uh, he he starts stammering and says, um, "Well, I, I I had a spill, and, and the flight attendants were trying to get the get the stain out." And uh, but you think he got away with it, even though he was pantsless? They said that she did not look
0: convinced.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, so
0: in. On my trip to Sulawesi, you know, you always expect to have some trouble somewhere along the way. I mean, it's just what happens when you're doing sort of adventure travel. That's just just the way things are, you know. But you never know where the trouble's going to come. And lots of times it comes in the most unexpected places. Uh, I was in Makasa, which is the capital of Sulawesi, and I was staying at... A pretty nice hotel uh, like i said before it was i think it was 60 dollars a night which you know it's hard to find a nice hotel it's fine hard hard to find a hotel in the united states for 60 dollars a night let alone a nice one so anyway it was a pretty nice hotel and i needed to take a taxi to the bus station so i could go to taraja and um one of the things i've learned when i'm traveling is you know you do have to be careful of taxi drivers and people do get, you know, scammed or, you know, you can have taxi drivers that rob you. And so there is a um, rule of thumb that if you order a taxi at a nice hotel, you're most likely to get a reputable taxi. It's, you know, it's probably obviously not foolproof, but in general... You get a reputable taxi. So I ask at my nice hotel in Macasa for a taxi so I can go to the bus station. And here comes this car, pulls up, and it doesn't say taxi. But, uh, you know, I've been to other places there where the taxi didn't say taxi. So I'm thinking, all right. And uh, he asked me where I'm going, and I told him the bus station. So I get in. And uh, we're not in the taxi for like three minutes where he's asking me my name and I said it was Betty and he's like uh I love you Betty Betty I love you uh why you no love me Betty why don't you love me and I'm thinking what <laughs> like I'm just trying to go to the bus station what's he talking about he loves me and why don't why you no love me and um it became evident that he, he there are times in other countries where they think if you're traveling by yourself you know you're like a loosey-goosey woman or whatever I don't know but I guess he was trying he was trying to hit on me this taxi driver and it was extremely uncomfortable he kept saying uh where you go and I said oh you know I'm going to Taraja he's like I come with and I'm like no you don't come with you know (laughs) And then I said something about the hotel. And he go, we go back to the hotel together? We go back to the hotel? I love you, Betty. I love you. And I'm like, no, we don't go back to the hotel. I'm getting extremely irritated. It's like, what the heck is this? I'm just trying to take a taxi to the bus station, this nut job. And then he tells me, I'm not, No, I'm no taxi driver. I'm no taxi driver. I stay at the hotel. I stay at the hotel that you stayed at. I'm a guest at the hotel. And I'm thinking, then why are you taking me to the bus station? And why did they, why? I ordered a taxi. You know, like what the heck is going on? He's like, oh, I have a good job. I have a good job, Betty. I have a good job. I work at a bank. See, see, he's getting me his bank ID. Like I'm gonna go, oh yes. Well, you work at a bank. Let's go back to the hotel and fool around. Like, what the heck? Why do I care if he works at a bank? He's like, I good man, I good man, I have good job. And then I'm thinking, then he started mentioning his his wife and his kids. I'm thinking, no, you're not a good man. You're trying to get me to go to the hotel. And it was getting extremely uncomfortable. I, I, I had my carry-on bag in my lap, but my suitcase was in the front seat with him. And uh then he couldn't find the bus station. I knew I was gonna probably miss my bus because it's stupid. I love you, Betty. Why you no love me? Why you no love me? I'm think I'm gonna miss my bus. <laughs> and at one point, I thought I might have to jump out of this car. I mean, I might just have to. Most likely, I'll just have to leave the suitcase, you know, because I, you know. Uh, You know, I definitely can lose the suitcase, but, you know, I'm starting to feel threatened by this stupid non-taxi driver. (laughs) Anyway, I did get there, but I have to tell you, you never know where the trouble's going to come from. It could be from a taxi that you order at a nice hotel with a stupid guy saying, I love you, Betty. Why you don't love me? Why you don't love me, Betty? I'm so fucked. I was working a Rome flight, and we're getting off the plane. You know, passengers leave stuff all the time. It's so common. We don't even think twice. You know, they're always leaving, you know, headphones, eye shades, neck pillows, you know, sometimes important things, You know, iPads, books, all kind of stuff. And our procedure is we pick them up and take them out and tell the agent what seat they were in in case the people come back looking for their belongings. Lots of times they don't come back if it's, you know, unimportant things but they might you know go to baggage service if it's some you know an important item that they want so we're we're getting off the plane and the flight attendant behind me said oh look people left a bunch of stuff in this seat it was the exit row seat which was right across from my jump seat so i knew exactly who was sitting there it was a uh you know i'd say they were 30 year old black couple man and woman they didn't say much um I remembered them just because they were sitting sitting across from me. And she goes, oh, look, there's a hat and there's an eye shade. And then she goes, and a bra. She goes, there's a bra in a Ziploc bag. (laughs) We find all sorts of things. But I honestly can say I've never seen a bra in a bag left on the plane. So we were speculating. We were all laughing. And then on the bus, we were laughing. We were like, well, was she taking the bra off? To get more comfortable, you know, because you try to sleep going to Europe, or 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 was there something going on with this couple that we didn't notice during the flight? You know, maybe they weren't as quiet as we <laughs> as I thought they were. You know, maybe they were up to some hanky panky and she didn't put her bra back on. So we never found out, of course, we'll never know why this passenger left her bra in a bag on the plane. So far away. Had to see my baby. I actually recorded this little snippet in the Tancoco forest of the hornbill, which is a very interesting looking bird that they call a flying dog because it sounds like a barking dog. Hornbill, they call it a barking dog? Flying, flying dog. does sound like a dog (laughs) so you run into the same questions people would say to me um uh oh you married and I'd say no and they'd say why why (laughs) it's just strange the emphasis they'd put on it and then they say children you you have children I'd say no no children why why If you've been listening to my podcast for some time, you know that I have had technical difficulties at times. And darn it, sure enough, again this month, I had—I was feeling very confident because I had some really good stories I had recorded. I was very happy. I, I'm always thrilled when somebody is a good storyteller and they're willing to tell the story. And actually, uh, this month I had run into two—not one, but two uh infamous or famous flight attendants basically i'd run into the flight attendants who i have heard stories about which is very exciting especially if it's a story i've heard in many incarnations you know it gets told over and over again and you know sometimes you don't even know if it really happened or not but then you run into the actual person that it happened to and it's like ta-da you're the one (laughs) actually the one um It's one of my very favorite stories of all time, and if you listen to the podcast, you've probably heard it more than once because it is my favorite, Uh, but I had always heard, I'm not going to say his name, but I had always heard the name of the person who had actually done this, and I assumed he was no longer flying because this was a very long time ago, and well, first of all, I'll tell you the story. Again, you've heard it before, but it's such a good story, (laughs) And then I got to actually fly with the person who actually did it. Anyway, it's a a long flight and there was an Indian couple with a small baby and if any any if you know any flight attendants, they will tell you that there are a certain type of Indian people who are um they're very wealthy in their country and they're used to having many servants and they're not used to having to do anything for themselves. And uh, they just expect certain things that, you know, we don't do on the airplane. So this Indian couple had um, called over this male flight attendant and said, change the baby, change the baby. And he was like, we don't, um, we don't, we, we don't change diapers. You know, we serve food. We're here in case of emergency. And they're like, change the baby, change the baby. And so he, got exasperated, and he took the baby as if he was going to change the diaper, and went and found another couple with the baby, asked them to hold this baby, took the other baby back, and said, here, I changed the baby, (laughs) which I always just loved. Like, who would ever have the the nerve, you know, the chutzpah to do that? It's just so fantastic. So anyway, I had always heard this name, and it's an unusual name, and so it wasn't till like a half an hour into the trip that I went, oh, are you the guy who changed the baby? And he did like a little like, yes, it's me. <laughs> I maybe mean, just like a celebrity. Yes, that would be me. And uh, he did tell that there were a few things when stories get told over and over again, they do get changed a little bit because I had heard it was an Indian couple and that he went and got a black baby, but it turned out it wasn't, <laughs> it was a. They were basically a white couple, and then he, he changed the sex, too. So he brought back, took a baby girl and brought back an older boy. <laughs> and he also told me that he got a week off. He got suspended for this famous story. But it is true. I love to know that they are actually true. And then this other girl... Uh, I started talking to her, and I was mentioning the, like stories, and she said, "Oh, you—you you may have heard one of my stories. You know, a lot of people tell the story." And I'm like, "Oh, really? I'm running into two celebrities at one month." But this is—this was the tragedy of it. I, my recorder, I recorded her telling this famous story, and it didn't record. And actually, I—I t- I had recorded like four stories, and. I've had trouble before with, like, the recorder being broken or the microphone not working. And I still didn't even know what happened this month. But I had, I went to listen to them, you know, and uh, to transfer them to my computer. And each of the stories was, you know, like, two minutes, three minutes. One was, like, four minutes. And yet my recordings were, like, two hours and three hours. So it didn't record when I wanted to record. And then it recorded nothing or just, you know, ambient noise or in my bag noise for like hours and then i wasn't even sure if it was broken but anyway i don't know it's working now i just missed these stories so i'm going to tell you the one other famous story that i finally got to meet the famous person who did it <laughs> and she told it slightly different again when you hear hear it from the source uh and i don't i don't know if you guys have heard this story before but it is a famous story she said she was on the beverage cart with a guy friend of hers. And uh, she was on the front of the cart, He was on the back. And he was doing this very nice bending down, asking each person what they wanted to drink just to be a little more, you know, personal. He's just being above and beyond. And they get to this row and there's a very large woman with very large breasts, like watermelon sized breasts you know large breasts and w- out and there's this baby and this is how she's telling the story she said there's this baby just going to town like <laughs> and she she was laughing because if her friend her guy friend is going to continue on what he's been doing for the whole flight he's going to have to bend down and they will be like eye to eye or eye to watermelon and baby <laughs> Which of course he doesn't want to do. So he's like moving the cart. We have this little thing where we can, um, you know, if you, there's someone you don't really want to serve, you might slow down. You know, so she was slowing down so that he would have to get the baby in <laughs> the. Boob showing and bending down because she was enjoying this and he didn't want to do that so they're kind of like pushing and pulling with the cart to see who has to get this baby so it there has you know it's taking a little longer than normal because both of them are trying to make the other one serve the uh open-breasted baby so finally uh as and in- to interrupt this slowdown the baby turns around and goes I'll have apple juice. <laughs> she said it was like in a Chucky voice. Obviously, you know, definitely old enough to not be nursing anymore. He just stopped the, and said, apple juice. I'm so far away. have to see. I want to thank all the listeners who were so kind as when they were going to buy something on Amazon. They went to my website first, BettyInTheSky.com. It doesn't cost any more, but it supports the show. And I actually love to see what people are buying. It's amazing, the variety. Uh, This last month, you know, for Christmas, people bought a uh, Snow Joe, which is a snowblower. Somebody bought three Bearcat CB radios with pistol grip mics. Someone bought 27 tool sets. I guess those were gifts. Uh, Gore-Tex boater pants. And somebody bought a book on the afterlife, stories of after-death communication. I mean, there is some range in the listeners to this show. (laughs) Thank you so much for anyone who went to my website, BettingTheSky.com, before ordering on Amazon. Uh, It supports the show and it makes me really happy. Thank you so much. Earlier, I was telling you about the flowers in my toilet bowl in Taraja, and there was the exact opposite situation in the Tancoco Forest, where I stayed at a what they call a quote-unquote homestay, because there's no hotels there. You stay in somebody's house, basically, that they have rooms available for travelers, and I knew that I was going to be doing this, because I Went there specifically to see the tarsiers and the black crested macaques, so I knew I was going to have to stay in a homestay. And in in some of the online, you know, trip advice or certain things like that. In other places, I'd read they called them quote unquote shabby homestays. And like they were saying that um, a lot of people don't go and stay at overnight; they just do a whole you know two hour drive from Manado go to the forest and do a two-hour drive back so they don't have to stay at this quote-unquote shabby homestay. So I had extremely low expectations. Uh, And I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I didn't think it was bad at all. It was nice. The food was good. The people were very friendly. Uh, I had my own room with my own bathroom. So to me, if, you know, that's not too shabby. (laughs) But the funny part about this was if um, you wanted to use the toilet or more specifically, if you wanted to flush the toilet. Or if you wanted to have any uh, running water to use the shower or whatever, you would have to ask the uh, homestay owners if they could turn on the pump from the river (laughs) so you could flush the toilet. (laughs) It's basically the exact opposite of having flowers in your toilet bowl. You have to like, "Uh, can you turn on the pump from the river so I can go? Number two. (laughs) So in Sulawesi, Indonesia, I told you in the last episode, uh, I was saying I was from the United States and nobody knew what I was talking about. And a guide finally said, no, you have to say uh, you're from America because they've heard of that. They haven't heard. they They don't know the United States. So I started saying I was from America and I got this response. Sometimes you get the most amazing responses when you're traveling. And uh, I'm not political, and so I'm not meaning this to be a political statement. I just, I just kind of loved how this foreigner summed up what his view of the United States. Uh, I was just like standing outside a hotel, and there was a local person. I think I was waiting for a ride. Anyway, uh, he was asking me where I was from, and I said America. And he said, oh, oh, I love America. And that's nice. You know, you like to hear that. And uh, he said, "Um, you know, a lot of people don't like America. A lot of people hate America. And I don't understand because in America they help people and then people hate them and then they still help them. (laughs) That that, That was his statement. I had nothing to do with it. And I just kind of stood there kind of stunned. And I thought, wow, you know, what an amazing thing to say. I was saying that I saw some things in Sulawesi, Indonesia, that I hadn't seen anywhere else. And there's this thing I want to tell you about. I think some people might find it uh, off-putting or upsetting. But in a way, I, I wasn't sure what I thought in the beginning. But after a while, I decided it was really kind of a lovely tradition that they do there. In the in Taraja, which is, uh, there's a specific ethnic Group of Tirajans and they their culture. uh, I told in the last episode they have their culture is all about um, their funeral. They have these elaborate funeral, you know, uh, celebrations that last a week long. They have all these. um, They slaughter a lot of animals. Anyway, their culture is all basically um, revolves around. The funeral and the burial. And they have this very interesting tradition. The other thing is, um, part of the reason why their traditions have survived is they are in a very mountainous area of Sulawesi. So they were sort of isolated. So their traditions have survived more than uh, some other cultures who, you know, have been influenced by, you know, the outside. So anyway, in Taraja, they have a tradition that. You know, it's a poor country, and a lot of people probably can't afford to go to the hospital. And so there are a lot of babies that die there. So, you know, the infant mortality rate. And because of this, they do have quite a few babies that die. And in their religion and in their tradition, they believe that 100%, they're totally sure that if a baby dies, it's going to go to heaven. So they have this really interesting burial tradition for babies and what it is is called a baby tree or a baby grave tree and I had been reading in books like one the they were telling you like things to see in Taraja like the highlights and they said you have to go see the baby tree I was thinking it was a little tree (laughs) like I had no idea what a baby tree could be but what it actually is is a tree where they bury the infants so they have this giant tree it's a specific type of tree and they They dig out a hole in the tree and they put the baby in standing up and then they use bark from another tree to basically make like a door to keep the baby in the tree. And then they use um, like ropes from the tree to secure it. So it looks like when you're looking at the tree, it looks like it has a bunch of doors on it. And then this is the amazing part to me is so the bottom of the tree has fresh graves and fresh where babies have been Put in the tree, but as you go further up the tree, the tree actually grows around the baby. So that, because they're making that door out of bark and natural materials, the 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 tree grows around it. So at the bottom of the tree, you have these fresh looking like doors, and then as it goes further up, all there is is a seam. Like it just all there is is a seam as to where the door was. The tree grows around the baby, and. I I know this might sound macabre and it's something people don't want to talk about—dead babies, of course—but there is something beautiful to me about burying someone in in something alive, something that surrounds them. So the life of the tree is surrounding the baby, like a like a hug or something. It was, it's, it's just fascinating to me, and actually quite beautiful. And every village in Taraja has a baby tree. And I'll put a picture of the baby tree on Instagram and on my website. Because uh, to me, I've never heard of such a thing. And uh, I don't know how they came up with this or how they knew that the tree would grow around the, I guess you'd call it grave, but to, to you know, hug the baby. I don't know how they figured this out or how, how it started, but really it's, it's just a... Lovely tradition.
1: You
0: know, there's times when the passengers get whiff of something and start laughing, even if you aren't even trying to be funny. And I wasn't the one trying to be funny. It was this six-year-old child traveling by himself. Uh, I, it's legal with the airline rules to put a child on a plane Going to Europe as young as six years old, and you know what? I, I personally, and you know, I'm not a parent, but I personally just think it's too young. It's just a really young six-year-old. It's just too young to go on a ten-hour flight by himself. Anyway, this I was flying to Rome, and this six-year-old, the agent brings him on, and he's crying, and he's only six years old. It just breaks my heart because you know, it's traumatic to. to to go anywhere by yourself when you're six, let alone a 10 hour flight. So uh, the parent had bought him, you know, like a hamburger and French fries and a drink and then he had two bags. So the agent's like here. And I'm thinking, I can't, I can't take the hamburger, the fries, the drink and two bags. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take him back with his dinner and come back and get his bags, you know, which is always hard. Cause you know, it's always, you have to come back up swimming upstream. But anyway, I get like halfway through the cabin and see another flight jet, and I say, hey, hey, can you take him to his seat at a 27C and um, with his lunch and drinks, and then I'll go back and get his luggage. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. So he takes him back, and then I'm trying to make my way back up to get his bags. And in the meantime, I didn't know, because I wasn't there, when he got to the seat, there was somebody in the seat, so... Um, the kid had said, "Oh, I thought it was 37C." So he's like, "Okay." So he takes him to 37C, and then I come back to 27C, and there's an adult there, and I'm thinking, "Where did the kid go?" You know, like I'm bringing his bags, so I keep going back further, and uh, I find the other flight And He said, "Um, there was somebody in that seat, and he thought it was 37C," and I'm like, "Oh, I, I better find out," you know. Where he's supposed to be sitting or if that person's in the wrong place? Anyway, I make some phone calls. I get to the front of the plane, the back of the plane. And the um, coordinator was saying, well, you know, we do have another child who's traveling by themselves who's sitting at 27 Bravo. So they decided to move him to 27 Charlie so that he can... Um, or 27A. Anyway, so they can sit together. So there'd be two kids together, which should be kind of more fun for the six-year-old. So I go back to where he's now sitting at 37. I guess that was A. Anyway, I go back and find him, and he's now chatting with this very nice motherly woman, like, I don't know, 45, 50, but she's being so nice. And I was thinking, you know, it'd be nice if somebody's taking care of him, because, you know, we can't sit there the whole time. We have to work. And I thought it would be kind of nice for him maybe to be sitting next to this Woman who seems to be paying him a lot of attention. So I said, um, uh, "We have a seat where there's another kid traveling." And I said, Un- "Unless, unless you want to stay here." And really loud, he goes, "No!" <laughs> All the other passengers started laughing. I mean, he wasn't trying to be funny. I wasn't trying to be funny. But the kid was adamant that he didn't want it. He wanted to sit next to another kid. So I get his stuff and his drinks and, and his hamburger and his French fries and I'm, you know, swimming back upstream trying to get him back to his other seat next to the other child, but the other child is like, you know, 13, which doesn't do him much good, and she only speaks Italian, so really, he would have been better off probably, you know, back with the motherly woman, so I say to him, uh, oh, you know, she's older than you, and here's this six-year-old again, goes, well, so was the other lady, (laughs) and everybody started laughing again. I thought it was funny he was equating the 13-year-old and the 45-year-old is the same thing. They're both old. <laughs> One last story from Zulabese. I I've I've heard this before and it's heartbreaking to me. Uh I don't know how it's the media or how how people get this impression or this idea, but to me I I I find very few things more troublesome or just frustrating. I was trying to get an object to ride to my hotel, which is like a motorbike. And um, the guy who was, I guess, the dad, he was like, he had to go change his shirt. So I, I I know you're in a strange place. You're like, I'm just, I'm basically trying to get a taxi. But I'm talking to the, these women, girls, They were young girls, and um, some children waiting for the guy to go change his shirt so he can take me to my hotel anyway (laughs) it's not your average trip but i'm talking to these girls it must have taken it turned out he was taking a shower he had to take a shower before he could take me to my hotel he's taking a shower and changing his shirt so that i can pay him five dollars to take me on an ojek to my hotel (laughs) it's absurd i know but Anyway, the point of this story is, for like 30 minutes, while the guy's taking a shower and changing his clothes, right, washing his hair, or whatever, I'm talking to his family. There was like a 16-year-old girl, a 12-year-old girl, like a 20-year-old, and some babies. Anyway, you know, I'm sitting at a table, basically, outside their house, talking, and... They started talking about how they liked my hair and they liked my skin. And then they started pointing at their skin and they say, um, uh, black skin bad. I like white skin. Uh, brown skin is bad. I want white skin. And I'm thinking, how in the world is, I mean, I don't even think they have television there. How in the world are they getting this totally wrong impression? How, how are people brainwashed in Indonesia? Of, of thinking that their skin is bad. I mean, there's their skin is. If you ask me, ba- I was sitting there saying, "No, your skin's better." You know, like you're basically just tan, <laughs> and I got this stupid pale white skin. Why? You know, why are you? And they all were very adamant. No, black skin bad. I like white skin. I wish I had white skin. I wish I had blue eyes. I wish I had blonde hair. And I'm thinking, gosh, you know, I don't know how many years and decades this totally wrong impression is going to last and it it just makes me sad that young women would think that their skin is bad and in talking about you know white skin and brown skin and black skin (laughs) uh i when i was in taraj i had two guides of course they had brown skin and uh i am very pale and um they were talking about the albino buffaloes. For a minute there, I wasn't sure what they were talking about. They were talking about albino. They pronounce it albino. Albino buffalo, because the buffaloes cost a lot of money to, for them to sacrifice at their funerals. And, uh, but an albino, or as they pronounce it, albino buffalo, cost like $8,000. So it's prized, this albino buffalo. <laughs> And I also, I was laughing because I was laughing with the guides because I said a lot of the words are similar, but just slightly different. Albino, albino, and then the taxis there were spelled T-A-S-X-I, which can be pronounced taxi, but instead of, you know, our way of spelling it, it's T-A-S-X-I, you know, just slightly different. So. I was with these guys all day long, and it's really hot and really sunny. So we were going to our next stop, and I'm getting out my sunscreen. and I'm putting it my face and my arms, and I could tell, see them looking at me. And I said, um, the albino needs sunscreen. <laughs> Basically equating myself with the albino buffalo. <laughs> but, you know, to them, I'm sure I seem like an albino. Or albino. Albino albino. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. I'm <laughs> so Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition.